Hey everybody, welcome back to the Blister Podcast on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today on the podcast, we are airing one of my favorite conversations I think we have ever had in the history of Blister. This was a panel session that was held at our last Blister Summit with Hoji and McKenna Peterson and Forrest Shearer and Rory Bushfield. And in addition to being absolutely top-level skiers and snowboarders, well, as you're about to find out, this group is really thoughtful and really funny, too. And so hearing them talk about some of their favorite lines of all time, some of their favorite trips of all time, most memorable crashes and close calls, and more, well, it was a real treat and definitely one of the highlights from our last Blister Summit. Now, I also want to let you know that this conversation is also published on our Blister YouTube channel. So if you prefer to watch along rather than just listen along, well, we will include a link to our YouTube channel in the show notes of this episode. And on that YouTube channel, we are currently in the process of rolling out all of the panel sessions that were held at the Blister Summit and all of the brand lineup videos that we shot at the Summit. There's more than 30 of those where we dive into the details about current product lineups and new products that we'll be rolling out this next winter. It is a massive amount of information that we have over there. So if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, you should definitely do so. Subscribe to that channel because we are still actively rolling out a whole lot of great stuff over there. And speaking of the Blister Summit, registration is live now for next year's summit, and we currently have early bird pricing on the summit. So if you are going to attend what is our favorite event of the winter, well, you should hurry up and sign up to guarantee your spot at the summit and get the best pricing that you're going to get and get in on this early bird pricing that lasts till the end of May 2023. And now, it's story time with Hoji and Rory and Forrest and McKenna. Here we go. I am very happy to be here with this particular group of panelists because I've just been thinking about this as story time. And... um, I think we're probably going to hear some good ones tonight, and then we will, of course, open things up to questions from all of you. Um, but we are joined by McKenna Peterson, Forrest Shearer, Hoji, our patron saint of Gear 30, has come to visit us. <laughs> First time in the States since COVID. So, um, you know. First time? You never snuck across? <laughs> Never snuck across, and I'm, I'm really happy to, uh, to be meeting Rory Bushfield for the first time at this event. Uh, same with Forrest, by the way. So this is really fun for me um, 
to get to have this group together. And um, we're kind of calling this uh, Stories from the Field. And I think most of you are pretty familiar with this group of folks. But um, yeah, like I said, story time. So to kick this off, what I thought we would do was maybe open with um, having you each share with us a favorite line of all time. McKenna, you're right here. Oh, man. Why don't we start with you? (laughs) Okay. Favorite line I've ever skied was... I guess it's going to have to be this beautiful face that I got to ski in Alaska. That was a pretty full-fledged mission, you know, three weeks camping on a glacier. Lots of prep work, big mission to climb up this line and access it. We had about a thousand vert of steep spines to pretty significant bergschrund. And then the beauty of the line was since we were climbing it, we had to get all the way down to valley bottom in order to walk back around to our camp. So after the big, beautiful spine wall that was our mission of the trip, we had about 4,000 vert of glacial travel, navigation, route finding, and actually about 1,000 feet of perfect corn all the way down to a river basin. So wow. that is the that's coolest line I've ever skied. Okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a day. Huh. Epic. Yeah. Sounds, sweet. Sounds awesome. Um, for me, uh, yeah, I'm kind of known for doing some wild missions off the cuff, saying yes to most things. Um, and I think uh, wildest, raddest line that I'll share was a line that um, it's down in Chile. It's called Sierra Baluda. I think... Uh, I got familiar with it from um, Big Leg Greg Hill when he, he was doing his two mil vert, and he had skied it. Um, so I went down to Chile on a strictly objective-based trip, um, strictly going for this line, and was able to literally do a trip with, um, I think, a 72-hour turnaround. Went down, camped out the night before, went and got the line in really good conditions, Climbed it. It's three days, 72 hours. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, slept back at the trailhead, jumped in the car, drove 10 hours back to the airport and flew home. Whoa. Wow. Yeah, so pretty rare to get something like that for me and uh, one of those lines that's pretty exposed and gnarly. Um, and, yeah, it worked out pretty well. So Filmed? Uh, all kind of photo, yeah. photo-based and drone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Eric? You ever skied anything memorable? A <laughs> <laughs> couple times, I guess. Couple. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I would have to go with it's like the bittersweet line. Uh, was that back in 2011? I guess uh, filming for Matchstick Productions there. Um, the yeah, they're based here. That's right. And. Uh, yeah, we did a, a trip to the Meeker area, just north of Pemberton, and uh, not as, not as, uh, let's say, honorable as you guys. We were using helicopters, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the trip itself was kind of pretty special. Those hot springs uh, up there had been cut off by a giant 
landslide. I think it's like the second largest landslide in Canada or maybe North America. And we kind of took advantage of that. Uh, no one could get in and we had a, a pilot who was a bit of a renegade. And uh, yeah, Jake. And Jake, yeah. Jake. We were out there for the better part of a month, I guess. Um, but yeah, the Mount Meager North Face, uh, it's a proper, yeah. Nobody skis this. <laughs> no, nobody. A few people. I fly around that mountain all the yeah. time and never see tracks. Yeah. But, and it's very unstable. Like, it's actually changed a lot. This was, yeah, over a decade ago, and there's been a lot more. It's constantly shedding, but uh, that was a very good snow year uh, with a good snowpack. But even, even in the spring there in April, like, we kind of flew around and... Uh, took a bunch of terrain photos and came up with a plan. And that was, that face was like, we called it like the jewel of the area. Like if hopefully we'd work our way up into that. And uh, yeah, after we put in the time, kind of got to know the, the snowpack and the lay of the land, uh, was able to, to get up there on, on a really perfect day. And um, just pretty, knife edge to get down just to get started and uh yeah very committing like one of those moments where you're like once you're in it you know it's 100 percent or could be <laughs> pretty severe consequence yeah. and uh yeah push push that i would say to my limit um it went very very well and and yeah it's kind of skied the the proper super steep spines and then got into like there's just this long beautiful spine that goes down like another it's got to be at least like 1500 feet and was just like in celebration mode and came <laughs> came like over onto the sunnier aspect more east facing a bit too hot and hit the sun crest and was surprised and uh yeah ended up tearing my acl and uh, yeah so it was like the highest high to like the lowest low yeah yeah it's in it's in the hoji film yeah so it was like i i, I said it was like i pushed to the absolute limit of like what i think i could do especially even back then 10 years ago is a bit better than i am now as we all are but uh yeah was able, it wasn't like terrible. I was able to ski out the bottom after some time and like get over the Bergstrand and, but that was the end of the season. And that's the first like really season ending injury I've had in 20 something years. Sorry, I touched the table. And uh, <laughs> round of shots. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, and I've, I've looked, I was out there maybe last October and like, yeah, looking up and. It's huge. To perspective, like, it's like literally the biggest mountain, the biggest face and it's crazy, it's crazy. Yeah. It's like any sort of mistake, it's, it's like, yeah. I've only ever looked at it, man. That's so crazy, you skewed that. That was a good one. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> the bonus commentary from Rory on Hoji's favorite line. That's money. This is well, he, he had, like, we've no, I, we was, I was we thinking. We skied together since we were 15 years old, yeah. man. Did, like, like, air comps together. 25 years, 23, 25 years ago. 39? Yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was, like, 2000. Uh, like, 
99,000. Yeah. That's what, my favorite line, too. <laughs> well, Roy, what else you got? <laughs> well, I got a bar. I mean, that line that Cody Townsend and Travis Rice shredded, it's like, that's probably my favorite line. I never did that either. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to leave, and this is Rory. You take over. Yes. But... Yeah, that was, those are good lines. <laughs> it's hard to compete with that. Like, once I skied a spine in, in Alaska, that it went forever, you know, and I got a couple hits along the way. It might have been a backflip or a seven that I crashed. <laughs> that was probably, that's probably my favorite line of all time. Okay. Alaska's hard to beat. Alaska's hard to beat. Related question. And so you can, if the answer is yes, then we can keep it moving. But so you all just talked about a favorite line and some of your several favorite lines, Rory. These lines, if we asked the question or tweaked it slightly to favorite day in the mountains or favorite trip, does that lead to a new answer? Or do many of these memorable lines is like, yeah, that was the day or that was the trip? McKenna? Yeah, no, that totally changes it. When you ask about the day and the trip, it's going to come down to the people you are with. Yeah. Certainly. When you ask about the line, it's just the terrain. And, well, and your experience there. But mm-hmm. So, favorite day. Do I have to start again? Yes. Ladies first. Last year I did a trip. I was lucky enough to do a trip to Iceland with my family. So I got to take my mom ski touring in Iceland off a sailboat, which was pretty special. And then to keep this short, my little sister is also just becoming a ski guide. So I've been kind of watching her progression on bringing people into the mountains and turning into a ski guide. And on that trip, one day, we got my mom to ski a pretty steep couloir, her first time putting on crampons, probably her first time really boot packing. And I got to watch my little sister guide her into it, guide her up the couloir, and get her down safely with smiles and stoke and find some really good skiing. That's awesome. That's my favorite day I can okay, think of recently. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. Good to get the mom skiing. Mom skiing, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Forrest. Uh, for me, I mean, that's like asking me where am I you know, favorite place to ski or snowboard is yeah. favorite day. So it's yeah. like, I'm going with today. Um, yeah. A lot of you guys are at the resort. I got to do a fun little little backcountry sesh with three other guys and um, the guides at Irwin. So I'm going to go with today. It's, it, just it was sunny uh, and a snowstorm in one day. Plus, yeah, and we got to ride some really nice steep lines. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that. So I think it's all relative, you know, yeah. depending on the crew, depending on the vibe and um, mm-hmm. terrain and weather, so. Yeah. OG? Yeah, I mean, that. <laughs> yeah, I should have been sitting there, I guess. <laughs> no, it's hard to, I mean, we're super lucky, and it's been a lot of very good trips, and the recent ones are come to mind, of course, because we just experienced them. But, uh, yeah, I, don't, it's, I think it's impossible to say there's one that's better than the other because it's uh, all about the crew, where you're at, maximizing the conditions, and, like, 
they're all, you know, okay, there's some bad trips, of course, where you get skunked or whatever, someone gets hurt. But overall, I think I'm addicted to just going on trips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, for, for the two of you, before we get to Rory, when I ask the question, though, what pops into mind? Because I get it. I, I yeah. get it, and I, you know, I, yeah. I hear what you both are saying, but is there one, so we're not going to hold you to this. Yeah, it's like, yeah. the, Hoji said his best trip ever, but there's got to be one that sort of, you find yourself, it pops back into mind, or when the question is asked, a contender. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all relative to, you, I mean, when we're snowboarding or skiing, and you're in that moment, it's all flow state, so yeah. you're very much in the mm -hmm. moment, it's happening, and, you know, to Hoji, it's like, it's all what happened today or what happened yesterday, we can only kind of go so far back in the memory banks, yeah. unless it's this risk-defying thing that... Yeah, like, I mean, the, the meager... Shit goes down. The meager trip was like, I would say, a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And right. So, and that with that line and being injured like that, I always sure. jump back to that one. And like for this season, I got to really... I got to visit a good friend in uh, Chamonix, Steon Hagen and his family and like hit it with a really nice conditions and I mean yeah it's like you, you get to go you end up somewhere and it's happening like hopefully the next few days here like first time skiing here so this could be coming up on the list as well so right. it's your first time skiing here ever yeah after all those years yeah of MSV you never yeah. no I've been here like a hundred times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, relative to friends and culture and being in a place and, you know, doing new things and, you know, being outside your comfort zone. Um, outside of today, I was in Japan um, in January and kind of started late this year, wasn't super epic. And when everyone was going right, trying to get snow in a good spot, we just went left and drove 10 hours and went surfing. And then we did snowboard in the same day in the afternoon. Wow. So, mm. so, you know, can't beat that. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty good. Rory. I will go way back. Yes. Nice. I got a good memory. Is yeah. I, I, one of my best days ever was on a huge, huge jump that got built. And we were, it was so big, we were too scared to hit it. And my man right here, <laughs> he was the guy that hit it first. We were just speed, we speed checked it so many times. It was like a mogul field calling up the takeoff. And sure enough, Yorlison boosts this thing and nails the tranny. Like, right, it was just like the session was on. And that was the day I did my switch double back, my most yeah, iconic yeah. shot that I was like, made, made yeah. yeah. That was thanks to this guy right here. It's like, he opened that jump. We were all, there were so many badasses there. Snowboarders too, John Jackson was there. It was like all these dudes and everyone was too scared to hit that jump. Because we hit it the day before and it was like 50 feet and then they moved it back to like, a ridiculous amount. Mike Douglas did that. He moved it back and then he went home. <laughs> and this yeah. guy hit it and was like, "Yeah, it was." That you open it up. That was. Good. That was a long time ago. That was that was yeah. a long time ago, and I remember the whole that whole. Thing. That was a good day for me, but man. I had a really good. day. You had the best day. And, yeah. <laughs> but they they made the jump and everyone, all the pro people were like, "Ooh, it's me." It well, was back not, in step down. Not days, that big. You know, not when they made him like that. It was like, like if you if you hit the knuckle, you were gonna break both your legs. Yeah, and he went first. But they they moved it back, like doubled it, kind of thing, and just to be like, okay, let's show these guys, like, you want a big jump? Here it comes. And uh, 
yeah, I was kind of, I can't remember. I was sitting on the side. I didn't even do the speed checks, but I was watching. You used speed check once or twice. I was watching, I and I was like, I can, <laughs> I could see it though. Like I could see, I could see it. And, but the best part was like R- Rory in his classic way had like the most beat down, like his bait, like he could barely slide in the spring oh, yeah, getting slushy. My skis have hit a lot of rocks. It was the end of the season. Yeah, it was the end. <laughs> like never been tuned. And he was starting like hundreds of feet above everyone. And I remember you had your giant like five liter like bottle of juice that was you filled with water and you're just up there. It was there, my marker. Yeah. yeah, drinking and you threw it on the snow. And then I remember you're like, Okay, you're on your phone. Call my mom. Your flip phone, yeah. like, hey, mom, yeah, I'm talking to your mom well, for she, like ten yeah, minutes, yeah. and then and then you're like, okay, okay, mom, the helicopter's in here, I gotta go, and you like shoved your phone in your pocket and just pinned it and jumped switch, and we're just like, no one had sw- hit it switch, no one, and he's starting from like, his speed is not relative to everyone else is like starting at the same place. His skis were so badly prepared. You remember it differently. Yes, I remember everything. <laughs> And he went in switch, and then it was just like this huge double backflip. It was the most impressive, like the best, by far the best trick of the day. Thanks to you, buddy. Thanks for opening that jump up. I'm lost. I don't even know if I asked. It. Did I actually ask Rory the question? Or I, yeah, I got best day skiing. Wow. Oh my goodness. That was. Uh, I'm spent. Uh, all right. That was, that was amazing. Um, okay, we started doing this thing, I guess, the very end of last year, where we started a segment on our Gear 30 podcast called Crashes and Close Calls. And so we've been talking about this, and part of it is we've been trying to get people thinking about, like, oh, yeah, like some form of accident insurance, probably a wise thing. And so that's what prompted it, and I've really, really come to enjoy not just gnarly crash stories, but also some of the close calls where it's like, okay, I got away with one there. But I figured you all might have a particularly memorable, say, biggest crash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why don't we start with Rory on this one? Yeah, we're going to work our way back. Rory, you've crashed Worst once crash I ever had again. I was with this guy. Wow. <laughs> and we were standing on a cornice. And we're getting all ready, and I have my boots all undone, and my jacket's open. And we're like, is it going to be good? It's a pretty minor face, but it's, like, still pretty big. And we're getting, you know, we're getting ready, and I'm, like, sort of peeking. I want to get a little bit of a closer look, and the cornice breaks. Jacket open, boots undone. It's like, nothing good. And, like, Jorlison and, and Rubens, if I remember correctly, jump up the hill and they like get on the other side of the cornice and I like ride this chunk of snow down the hill as far as I can. And I'm like hop off, I'm riding on one foot and my foot is like the classic like one ski in the air, like slow motion, so, and I end up just tommying as hard as I've ever tommied my whole life. I tommy off like a 40 foot cliff. And land, I land perfectly backwards on my feet and it just explode my knee to pieces. And uh, Eric helped me get on my snowmobile and strapped me on to the sled and I rode out of there. But it was a hor- horrible crash, man. I would, I would rather never do that again. <laughs> was, it, was it just the knee? Yeah, just my knee was all that went down. Yeah. 
There's more to the story if you want to hear it. I mean, yeah, let's hear more of the story. The only guy that saw the crash because this cameraman was setting up and these guys were on top as a rollover was some random snowmobiler. And this is during the like when when doctors were prescribing oxycotton to everyone. So this guy comes over and he's like, "You want these painkillers?" And I was like, "I don't know. Like I I'm like 20. I'd never tried a painkiller." It's like very few injuries, and he gives me these two oxycontins, and I was like, oh, I, have, uh, I mean, I'm hurting pretty bad. I take one, and I ride my snowmobile all the way to my, the truck, like as slow as I can. I get to the truck, I'm still in so much pain. I eat another one, and I was just like, no, don't feel nothing, you know. I was like, park this to get into the truck, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I got there before Riley, who was with us, mm-hmm. and Riley was like, I take the, I roll a joint, and I like, I, I take one puff of this joint and these oxycontins kick in man and it was like i was on another level like throwing up out of the truck all the way to the hospital because like, i get to the hospital like what's wrong with this kid it's like he crashed and blew his knee it's like why is he white and sweating like i was like it was so bad <laughs> it was a bad day it was really bad day. That was my worst crash. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Multi-level crash. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> and my knee's good now. Yeah. I'm sick. Fair. Yeah. They button it up. Yeah. Wow. A um, yeah, a couple screws. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Hoji. Uh, yeah, wait, wait. Where, worst it, crash, buddy. Worst crash. <laughs> That's a, I, I can't, I don't have a good story like that. I, I, people are asking me about crashing and I'm like, well, once a few years ago, I put together a crash reel from 20 years of footage that was five minutes of consecutive tomahawk. <laughs> That's true. And every time I think about that, editing that segment and watching it never made it, but, and then when I get up in the morning and I can put my socks on, I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> I, I feel like I want to inter- interject one question. Tomahawking is exhausting. Yeah. Just to act like, even if you are fortunate oh, yeah. enough to not be hurt, it's like wild tiring. Is that, is that, does everybody know that already? Or I feel like that's not really talked about as much. I think saying exhausting and tiring is under. You're understating it. Yeah. Like the amount of G-force that you're... Yeah, Yeah, wasn't there that edit a while back where people just kept tomahawking into space? (laughs) 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 Okay, so you you think exhausting is understating. Yeah. 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 Well, when you can't put your... Imagine you can't bring your arms to your head to protect it. Like, that takes a lot of force. We're past that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like tearing little things apart in your body. Yeah. It's like little micro injuries everywhere. I saw a guy Tommy so hard he lost his jacket and, mm-hmm. and backpack. <laughs> Just gone. What about ski boots? Have you ever seen anyone come out of their ski boots? I Tommy. think it helps with the Tommy. <laughs> yeah. Tommy, Tommy out of the ski boots. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. Okay. Yeah. All right, Forrest, you're up. That is incredible. I mean, there's been so many, it's hard to pick one. You know, but I mean, for me, it's like I'll, I'll take another spin on this, and it's like if you're crashing, I mean, if you're not crashing, you're not learning. You know, so I think you have to take, okay, like, if I want to try something, 
double back, whatever, a big trick off Chad's gap or whatever, you got to crash in order to make it, mm. you know? Yeah, it's so rare that your mindset is that perfectly and just well put, thought out that you're going to stick it and stop and right away. Not in, if you're Rory, maybe, yeah. I was not trying at all. I just fell through a cornice. <laughs> it was just bad luck, like, yeah. a couple times in one day. You know, and, and then we're here at the Blister Summit, and it's very product-oriented, so I think crashing is very much in line with making a sick product. In order sure. to keep evolving and making rad products, for you sure. have to crash and try yep. in order to make stuff that's going to be better for the planet and it's going to last longer, right? Mm-hmm. So... so then I guess I'm hearing you say you have a Chad's Gap story. Um, not a crash, but we have a Chad's Gap for sure. I mean, that's probably, that's up there with best line. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, I got a great, um, what's, what's the next one? What is the next one? Oh, a close call. I got a great close call. Close call, yeah. Well, let's hear it. You want to go close call? Let's go. Okay, so now we're kind of going more into expeditions, and a lot of us are kind of venturing out. Um, Sick line, but we're more thinking about a bigger mountain going up to, you know, over 20,000 feet, checking stuff out, you know. So for me, it's like, I think in 19, we went to Denali, a crew of us, all snowboard crew, took Ian Walsh up there for his first time, myself, Danny Davis, Nick Russell. And I think in the process of packing my bags in Talkeetna, getting on the plane and getting out to the field, and I think I made it up to camp one. And I'm searching through my bag, and I'm like, holy shit. Um, I didn't have a sleeping bag. No, my pad. It was my pad, actually. Uh, so no pad. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, you'll be fine. We'll put, you'll sleep on the ropes. You think it'd be fine. Yeah, we'll sleep on the ropes. <laughs> no, We're up fine. there for three weeks. No. And, um, yeah, it wasn't going to happen. Um, yeah, luckily, there were some other friends that were going into the field. Um, Adam Fabricant, Noah Howell. They were on another objective. Luckily, I was able to in-reach them get my pad, but it was back at the airbase. So I had to go ski, you know, 20 miles by myself from like camp three back down wow. to go get the pad. So all the way down, middle of the night, um, get down, see a couple other uh, climbers, some other friends, um, Michael Gardner, they were on another mission, fed me some food, gave me some fuel and, um, Sunset and jet backed up. Luckily, I had a good podcast and um, some books <laughs> to keep me going <laughs> and made it back up to Camp 3 and continued to stay out there for another three weeks and um, snowboard every line on the mountain that was Ridewell that year. Wow. Yeah, I don't think that had been done since uh, 2002 or four when Dav was up there. Mm. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Sweet. So close call, best trip ever. There you go, combining. It's all coming together. McKenna, biggest crash. I don't crash. Nice. Exactly. <laughs> pro. True pro. You guys. Yeah. No, I do, but I don't really have a great story. You don't? Okay. Do you have a better close call story? Again, same thing. How many close calls do you think that we've had that we don't really A know? billion is the answer. Yeah, so... But you know, the the but the skied away from or you just lucked out. Um, Again, she's like, I don't crash and I'm never out of control <laughs> because I'm a professional. <laughs> duh. No, I mean there there have been some close calls. There have been some, you know, mostly avalanche related. 
you know, either choosing to back off a line and actually getting the positive feedback of, I'm glad you backed off the line because it did just rip, which does not happen very often. More often than not, you back off and then you're like, shit, was that the right idea? Maybe I should have just gone for it. And you don't, you don't get that feedback and that reinforcement. So it's honestly kind of nice when you have those moments of, I'm not feeling this, you know, either helicopter come pick me up or I'm not going down there. And then something does happen. It makes you, you know, feel like you're making good decisions. Unfortunately, we don't have that luxury most of the time. Um, <clears throat> so I'd say most of my close calls were making the wrong decision to ski something and getting away with it and getting lucky. And then after the fact, realizing that I should not have been there in the first place. Or maybe the other way around. Like when it's you the stepped opposite off of yours. Slid, <laughs> exactly. <right>? <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you stepped off and it slid, so that was a close call. Mm -hmm. And you made a good call. Right, that's, that's when it's... Yeah. Close call, good, good. call? That's yeah. a close call, good call? Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe, I'm going to say, all right, how about close calls not involving avalanche conditions? But you can veto me on that if you mm. prefer. Close calls. Roy's got a billion I'm of these. Sure he's great well, every day you should have a close call, or else <laughs> you're really living. Mom's like, on my everywhere. way here. I had a close call. You always have them. <laughs> every day you should have a close call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I told Sarah, you we started this said. because we wanted to talk about accident insurance. Like, that's what started this segment. Yeah. <clears throat> Apparently, every day you need to go have a close call. You heard it here from Rory, so. It'll help you. It'll you help get better you. with close calls, right? They're way better than the close call that goes wrong. Close calls are the best because you get away with them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's case worse, case. right? <laughs> I think that's sound logic. I don't know how. Pretty sure that's logic. Okay. You could find a lot of close calls on this mountain jumping off blind rollovers. There's a lot of blind rollovers. There's up a there. lot of blind yeah. takeoffs, and then you land, you're like, whoa. Yeah. I just got really lucky. That was a close call. Yeah, that was a close call. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, well, is that what you're leaving it at, Rory? We don't get a specific close call? Yeah. Mm. I could give a story of uh, a let's close go. call. Let's go. All right, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my friend asked me to move his plane from one airport to another because he didn't have a pilot's license. He bought a plane first, and I did. But I, I, did, I went on a little joyride, you know, as, I, as you would, and I flew around this mountain a bunch of times. And then the next morning, uh, would you know, my, my buddy Mason is up on that mountain. He's asking me to get up early in the morning and, and do this shot by the mountain. And I was, sure, I was just there. But I switched planes to a heavier one, like I fly in my plane. And I get out there, and I was like, I was doing the same pass. And I was coming around, and I just made a shitty fucking call. And was just like, so close, man. I was like, I, th I went, instead of going straight through, I was like, I can make this turn. And I was like, I almost didn't make the turn, man. And it was a close, that's the closest call I've ever had. I was like, I was very thankful to make it. it was like, do you, I do made you, the turn, but barely. Do you, think you, do, you, do you think you have a fairly accurate sense of like, how far? I was very close. <laughs> Did you close your eyes? No, but I couldn't see it. I can't see much of an airplane. Yeah. Right. Like you see this, but down there, that's where you're going to hit. So on the metric system, 
You were very close. I was very close. Okay. The, yeah, Canadian okay. metric system. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That was close. But they, like I said, it's like I, we were fine. And I learned from it. And you should and, have one of those every day. you should have one every day. Okay. <laughs> Hoji. Impressive. Uh, You've had so many. I've had so many. <laughs> this guy skis mountains like a, three times faster than the guy in front of him. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I think, I mean, all my close calls I w- that I can think of at the moment uh, involve avalanche problems, I would say. Because they stick out as like, yeah, you got to, you know, like you're caught, and it turned out all right. Um, I can't think. I can't think of something. Those ones stand out, you know. So, well, give us an avalanche story then. <sighs> yeah, the painful truth. Um, I think the the most re- the recent one that stands out and was certainly a close call was. Uh, uh, it must have been like 2016, maybe. Seems like the not so distant future when you're old, like I am, or distant past, past let's say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we went up to the Freshfield Ice Field uh, just outside of Golden. Bunch of good friends uh, to film and ski, and we kind of got tricked into this early spring. Felt like everything was uh, setting up nicely and uh, went for this objective that was pretty east-facing, like super early, nice alpine start, long distance to get there, motivated, and uh, got there and realized, okay, yeah, it's the air temperature didn't get cold enough, it's already in the sun, and so we made the mature decision to just like, all right, it's not going to happen today, and kind of splintered into a bunch of little groups to see what we could do. Some people just went skiing for fun. Uh, my buddy Chris Rubens and I were like, oh, well, we, oh, there's something right here. Let's get a shot. It was just this little north-facing coal, like steep with the Bertrand and had this like really nice beam of like just the sun was just coming through the notch and hitting it. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, just kind of like I think we let our guard down because the snow was so firm that you were basically not penetrating at all deep into the snowpack with your boots or your skis. And uh, also because we had such like a kind of bigger objective at the beginning of the day that we'd canceled. Um, we were, and we we're just like, oh, we'll make the most of this right here. Good light and go and do it. And uh, yeah, so we, we started booting up and we kind of, went around this shrund and it, it was pretty, pretty fat actually. It didn't, didn't seem that bad. And the, put the filmer like underneath cause that was the angle and it, it wasn't a very big slope, but um, yeah, I got up there booting. I was, I was in front cause I'm a bit stronger than Chris normally. And uh, <laughs> I, I started, uh, the snow changed from stronger like, you're, everybody. you're basically like, <laughs> just like barely leaving divots in the in the snow with your ski boots to like suddenly I'm sinking up to my knees and then it's getting like it's the Rockies it's that classic you're getting up to the ridge top it starts changing and but it felt really bad like suddenly I was like I don't know Chris this doesn't feel good and he's like I, let me t- you know like I want to see what feel what you're feeling is a couple meters behind me 
and like he he climbed up and like kind of as he was passing me like the whole this giant plate like the whole slope just failed and like because it was unsupported because the shrun was so much bigger than we could see and it was like yeah a meter like down to an old crust and totally we were just surfing with our skis on our backpacks and like we're just sliding backwards and I remember looking over my shoulder and watching this giant plate of snow just like exploding into this gaping shrun that we didn't even we underestimated and it was like it felt like an eternity of just like sliding backwards a couple hundred feet and just like trying to time like preload your feet and just like when it comes time you're gonna have to jump as high and as hard as you can and like really we did somehow I guess he did too and like I just remember like jumping in the air and then like felt like getting hit by a car or something not that I've done that but like wind knocked out of you can't see everything black ribs hurt everything hurts and then tomahawking and then like ending up in the classic avalanche debris just like (laughs) stuck but like the surface was like I wasn't buried and just like the struggle fest like it instantly set up and kind of pushed out and the filmer had had to run for his life his gear was all taken out and like he was in a really bad spot too Mm -hmm. he was okay and then Chris also like once I got out he was in the exact same situation but we both made it over that shrine and if we didn't I wouldn't be sitting here neither and he neither would he and also the filmer like if he got even if we were just like a a meter less under the snow and he was taken out too because everyone else is like splintered around just kind of doing their own thing and uh yeah we got got super lucky like I kind of was banged up and Chris too but no no real injuries but like that was like a big eye-opener of like you let your guard down you're just like oh just make the most of this because you had something so much more intense in mind and you turned off of that so and also like the hard slab, like when you're barely di- divoting in the snow and then suddenly change, like it just, it just caught us off guard. And like, we hadn't seen anything. We were only worried about like solar aspects getting baked out and things changing rapidly. So uh, yeah, that was, that was a close call. <laughs> Damn, dude. I never heard that one. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Shifting gears in a, Big way. (laughs) Most starstruck moment in your professional careers. Ever had one? I mean. Right now? It's pretty cool. (laughs) It's pretty good. (laughs) It's pretty good. I mean, I suspect this would typically be pretty early on in your careers, but except unless it's today, right now. But, um... You ever have those moments, Rory? When I was uh, thirteen, maybe my coach at the time for mogul skiing was we're good friends with JP Eau Claire, mm. and we, he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna grab JP. We're gonna go skiing for the day." I was like, "Come on, dude!" Like, All right, and he did. He picked me and JP up. We went skiing for the day. I remember just not even being able to, like, say anything. You know, I was, like, silent on the chair. It's, like, just following this guy around. At the end of the day, he gave me a pair of Oakley goggles. I was very starstruck. Mm-hmm. Forrest? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll kind of take, you know, I get to hang with a lot of rad people. Um, 
that inspire me and, and push us to kind of be better snowboarders and skiers, better people. Um, for me, I'd kind of go to kind of the elder, you know, area of meeting someone like Jerry Lopez or Jim Zellers, yeah. who is um, kind of a pioneer snowboarder for North Face, who kind of got to do a lot of the major expeditions around the world. Um, and just kind of seeing them still going and thriving, you know? Mm -hmm. and it's amazing. It, it was incredible. Yeah. And it's just mm -hmm. like when you're touring with someone like that and they're just so far ahead on the skin track and you're like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, how are they, what are they eating? What are they drinking? <clears throat> you know, so That's I cool. think any time that you kind of get to be around someone like that, that, you know, mm -hmm. that fire in Stoke is just still so alive. And whether they're reinventing kind of the way they're, they're getting after it or that they just still are, you know, just in, enjoy being in the mountains and want to keep doing it. That's cool. Yeah. Hoge? Uh, I mean, I would go with the uh, JP as well. Like, had like the Solomon 1080 poster and like, was in, we were in the perfect- Big impact on the Yeah, we were, we were in the perfect place and time and uh, yeah, I got to meet him a bunch over the years, and then I guess I wasn't starstruck, but like eventually, ten years later, like got to work with him up on on the Blackcomb Glacier at the High North Camp, and like is that kind of like you want you like you just really want to grab onto that person and, and like tag along and like, but it was natural. Like I got to ski with him, and like we would just every day at lunch, like, all right, time to do some backflip laps. And like everyone else, a lot of people were dealing with probably doing their job and we would just <laughs> go up and like, cause the T-bar line was, was uh, quiet cause people were taking a break and we just like hot lap, a couple laps of just like backflip training. And that was like, yeah, that stands out in my mind is like, really like a special moment where you get to he was really good to younger folk yeah. jp man yeah. like he knew it's like he knew how how iconic he was to us mm -hmm. you know it's like yeah. when we were when hoji and i were coming up as skiers there was no you know it's like yeah. we had jp jf kusan yeah. and Vinny dorian you know and these guys were our fucking heroes man like yeah it was, it was so sick to get to meet them and mm -hmm. yeah you're right dude like, yeah. they were so good to us yeah yeah love that that's cool. You got McKenna? Um, that's funny. I was just like thinking, listening to them about inspiration and growing up and people that made an impact when I was a kid. And I had a similar story with Peekaboo Street, actually. Hmm. When I was like maybe 10, 11 years old, I skied with her for a day on Sun Valley. And that was so cool. She paid attention to me. Yeah. She like gave me tips on my <clears throat> skiing. I idolized her big time. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah, hadn't thought about that forever. Yeah. That's great. That. Mm -hmm. That's great. Let's open this up to some questions. So the question is, have there been in your careers any pivotal moments that led to a bit of a redirection or a pivot or shift in terms of, I'm just going to leave it open-ended like that. Can I just redirect this one to Yorlson? Because I've always wondered this. It's like, when did you decide you were going to be the boot master? <laughs> <laughs> and start being this crazy. Because when we used to yes. ski together, you didn't, it was like, you cared about boots. But this happened yeah. after we were like super tight. It's like, you became the boot master. At some point, I 
decided I'd really like hurting people. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 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 yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I immedi immediately thought of the, this kind of stuff with the question there. Thank you. Um, for me, the turning point for that, that kind of side of things was, like, getting the opportunity first with the, the Forefront brand and, like, getting into the somehow an opportunity as a very young person and, like, a desire, like, you could think back 20 years ago almost, uh, seeing as we know it didn't really exist and equipment was this was like this golden age i keep calling it where like the paradigm shift of like guys like mcconkey and jp and these like all these new things twin tips fat skis everything like it somehow it had existed in the in the past in different ways with freestyle and heli skiing and all this but it was like these characters uh that had like a a public you know they were heroes and they took those chances and pushed it, and like, yeah, that was a very exciting time in the sport. Um, and it came from snowboarding actually, because, like, when we were young, yeah. skiing was like, I was like a figure skater in my high school. Like, it was not, <laughs> not accepted as like something you do actually. And, um, but yeah, then to be in that time, and to, then to have the, the the small brands coming, and then to get to work with one, and like the opportunity to like, well, what do you want? Right. You know, yeah. like everything's changing. Everything, you don't even know what you want. But that's what that was like. The big shift is like, well, I got to figure out what I want, and I want to be like that. Go like this. Go fast, and then once you got in uh, with skis, like suddenly you you work on something and good or bad, you know, like you make a, an improvement and then suddenly your skiing improved. And like this cycle of uh, trying things and, and, and finding kind of improvements, allowing you to improve what you can do, that, that was kind of the turning point for me and started with skis and then ski boots came a few years later, of course, and really, trying to, what I like is trying to find these like problems or like what, what's, why don't I like this or why do I really like this? And um, yeah, I've been very lucky to, to work with these brands and, uh, and get the opportunity and, and really push on it. And, and uh, some of the results are, are all right, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they are. Remember when you took my, my trekkers? Mm. and trimmed like three grams off of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they didn't last long. <laughs> that was a, yeah, that's, that's the funny thing about all of that is like trackers, you know, and people. Used to be trackers. Like we, I did around. 10 years on trackers yeah. and the walk mode was uh, in the ski boots was you took the Velcro spoiler off the back of your liner. <laughs> so we're pretty lucky now. Yeah, we are. <laughs> How about the rest of you? Any pivotal moments of pivoting or redirection? I think we're going to have a lot of those, you know, throughout your career. It's kind of fun. It's fun to be changing and learning something new and trying something new and trying something different. So I'm sure we all have a lot of them. You know, coming here for the Crested Butte Extremes when I was 19, mm -hmm. huge pivotal moment in my life and probably the start of my ski career. 
I didn't win the competition, but it opened my eyes to a style of skiing that I didn't really know about on a mountain that was super steep and technical and really fun. That was pretty pivotal. Yeah, I think for me, um, kind of going and then my evolution of my snowboarding, going from park to building the biggest backcountry kickers for me in Utah and eventually finding splitboarding. And that was a, you know, for us, totally thinking outside of the box and, you know, stepping into that unknown and pivoting per se to, are my sponsors still gonna support me if I just go, mm -hmm. you know, full left turn here? Yeah and do something that, you know, they're not going to be stoked on. <laughs> but continuing to pursue that, and, you know, it's almost coming full circle that um, in terms of doing things that you love and wanting to pursue those, you know. But splitboarding also provided this, um, you know, it created the space for me to be on the skin track and thinking about product, thinking about how, you know, I could, you know, help influence change with, you know, Patagonia, with Jones on making better product that, you know, would last longer. Um, you know, thanks to Jeremy with, with Deeper, Further, Higher, um, with splitboarding, I was fortunate to be a part of those. And splitboarding was around prior to that, but that was kind of just this smoldering amber of a fire, and that was just throwing, like, just, you know, lighter fluid on it. All of yeah. a sudden, it was this thing. And, yeah. and that kind of, I felt, helped lift up the backcountry um, community and it continued to, you know, provide this push and pull of ski products get better, splitboard products get better, and the evolution of, you know, making stuff that's, I feel, you know, for me, it's, you know, you can get as technical as you want, but you could make stuff that has less moving parts that's going to break less and in turn going to get you up to the top of the mountain and be shredding more and so the question is, who or what inspires you in 2023? That kid Max that double backs in his freeride world tour line, man. Love that. Mm -hmm. That's sick. That inspires me big time. Right? Double back in his run? I watch it whenever I watch the freeride world tour. Blown away, yeah. Inspired. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's like, uh, just makes me feel like. I'm hanging on way too hard to should move out of the way for these young, you are. young you people. Do. You're building them <laughs> boots, man. <laughs> you did your part. Forrest? Uh, I mean, yeah, there's there's video game tricks being thrown out there now. It's like we're, you know, mm -hmm. whatever, Pro Border yeah. 3, it's like it's happening all the time. That kid that knuckle did a hugs. switch double back off the knuckle right. at the X Games? Yeah. Jesper? Mm -hmm. It's incredible. That kid's is. Yeah, like, Jesper's yeah. sick for yeah. sure. He made the hero list. When yeah, he I, I don't know. For me, I think it's uh, a lot of the brands that I'm seeing right now that are, like, willing to take a risk to kind of put themselves Not out too, there. Man. To make a better product or, totally. again, to, you know, fall and get back up and keep that evolution going of, you know, making stuff that's going to be better for the planet. Yeah. Okay. I'm inspired by the tracks that I see out in the backcountry that are pretty aggressive and pretty well done that nobody talks about or posts a photo on Instagram about. Same. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> when you look out, you see you those see tracks. Like, like, oh, yeah. who did that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Mm -hmm. Hoge? 
I think I've lately I've been inspired by uh, a bunch of folks, but uh, I'm kind of getting I'm going in a renaissance to like just utilizing the amazing like lift systems that exist in the world and, and getting yeah top doppelmeyer <laughs> those heated leather seats <laughs> no just to to make the most out of like whatever condition and and right. just go and have fun and like getting back into like resort skiing where i have alpine set up and like just like working on actually like proper technique instead of just wiggling around in powder all the time. Yeah, bringing it back to the yeah. Which is how we all think of you. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's just wiggling but it's like, around. It's, and it's like a rediscovery of uh, like lear learning that 20, 30 years ago almost and like taking a big uh, sabbatical from that, let's say, and, and then getting back into it and like the gear is still the same. It's the same boots, same bindings. Okay, the skis are much better, but uh, yeah, it's been fun, and and that's actually been pretty inspiring, and I think it ultimately will uh, help me improve my skiing. Yeah, how cool is that <laughs> to see a great turn? Yeah, you know, yeah, someone yeah. just ripping. Yeah, yeah, fun without that. without any like it's carefree. Fun. Like you don't have to worry about the mountain trying to kill you. Right. Or yeah. Bring planning logistics, or like you just show up early and and get there before the tourists and and make a few good runs on the perfect. You know, they they burned all the diesel to make it that way, so you might as well do something. <laughs> the question is, how do you manage fear? And let's let's put it this way. If you don't have a very specific approach, methodology to this, we'll we'll move it on. But do any of you have like, yes, this happens and this is a, my process? Breathing. I get only scared before, not never during. It's like before, super scared. And yeah, you just gotta go, man. You're like, you gotta push through that fear and have a close call every day. It's important. Take it after the moment, after the moment. Yeah, after you're scared again, and then you have bad dreams. And you're like, it's, but it's over, you're alive. You know? Forrester Hoji, specific approach, discipline? I mean, the, the fear is actually kind of, that's the, especially in younger times, that's like the addiction actually is. I don't know if you guys remember this guy's movie segment. He's like, if, it ain't, if you ain't scared, it won't make the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how can you live by that? That yeah. came from Hugo Harrison. Oh, fair yeah, enough. And fair enough. It's true. Like, it's that fine line of like, challenging yourself to the absolute maximum of what you could understand that you think you could do and processing that down and making the decision to do it because you believe in your abilities and you're relying on your past experiences and that process is like we talked about this a bunch but that actually was like for me it's less and less now but that's what I like the most is like then you're really like maximizing your human potential in a very specific way. And those are the moments that like, you're observing in like 300 frames a second and they're burned into your brain. You'll never forget them, hopefully. Pivotal? 
oh, it's just like the most intense and like the most, right. yeah, you're like really in that moment. There's nothing else that you could ever, that would distract you. Hell yeah. Yeah. And then when you, it's, it's a spiral or it's a circle, like you pull it off and then your reward, like the satisfaction is as high as it gets and, and, uh, you you want to do more yeah but without going too far <laughs> for sure i think fear is what drives us all to doing what we want to do you know and i think you know obviously i'll have a plan a to a plan z in terms of shit hits the fan but um yeah i think that's what what we thrive off and what keeps keeps us going and pushes us for sure oh yeah, yeah. so the question is do you have a favorite story from a Skierboard test or R and D trip that you ever went on? Those can't be told here. You <laughs> <laughs> might be right. <laughs> Give me some fireworks. <laughs> that's a good way to end it. Some fireworks. Well, McKenna Peterson says that's a good way to end it. Yeah, so get some fireworks. Um, Thank you all. It's a It's Hey, let me just say it's it's a real pleasure having all of you here and yes, um it's very cool the things that y'all can do in the mountains, but to get to connect on a very personal level and get to know the people, it's Really, really fun and cool, and we're really grateful to have you all here. So thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm doing it. Well, that's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this one. And again, all of our Blister Summit panel sessions are being rolled out on our YouTube channel in addition to 30 plus brand lineup videos. So head over to our YouTube channel for more laughs and a whole lot more information. And we've got some upcoming conversations still to be rolled out that are incredibly important and it's stuff that you're just not going to get anywhere else. And of course, I also wanna say thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode and thanks to you for listening. We've got more great conversations being rolled out on our other podcasts this week. We'll include a link to all of our other shows in the show notes of this episode. So check those out and we will talk to you again real soon.